Hey, welcome to the Weekend Bite presented by Wall Street Breakfast. I'm Daniel Snyder. And our first guest joining us today is Mike Fay, founder of Blockchain Reaction, a new Seeking Alpha marketplace service that you can find on Seeking Alpha. Just go to the search bar and type in Blockchain Reaction. Welcome to the show, Mike. We have a ton to get into, right? So let's dive in. You have a service called Blockchain Reaction, as I mentioned. And would you say if the asset doesn't address a problem, it's not going to be one of my top token ideas. But give us a brief rundown. What is the service? What are you talking about top token ideas? What is the asset address the problem? Give us a quick little sneak peek. Yeah, thanks for having me. First off, uh, you know, blockchain reaction really is about trying to find uh, blockchain based tokens, currencies, assets, whatever you want to call them, that are going to change the way that businesses work or that certain investment uh, ideas work. You know, I think that we've seen a, a lot of uh, different kind of protocols come online. A lot of currencies have come on. And most of these things are terrible because they have bad tokenomics. They don't have, you know, supply limits or, or just a variety of other things that give them bad utility or no utility at all. And so things like, I don't want to name specific ones, but <laughs> you can use your imagination. If there's a dog picture, uh, you're not going to find it in my service. I basically want to touch on the things that are going to help create efficiencies, help lower costs uh, for businesses that are using these types of technologies to either create incremental revenue streams or to change their business structures entirely. So uh, that's kind of a, a broad explanation of, of what you'll find there. And the other thing too is, you know, I do a lot of, I spend a lot of time looking for things that are not necessarily well known yet. You know, it's very easy to, to have a service that says, hey, look at one of these top 10 coins or tokens. I really don't wanna do that. I don't think that's very helpful. I'm, I really wanna go under the hood of a lot of these lesser known projects and help people find things that are going to survive crypto winter, if you believe that that's what we're in. Um, you know, these things, we've had these cycles in Bitcoin and in digital, you know, blockchain space. And I think we're in another one of these bearish cycles now. I don't know when it's going to end, uh, but I do know that when it's over, that there will be things that are going to get kind of thrown out with the bathwater. And uh, those are the things that we should be looking to buy now and in the next, you know, in the few months in the year ahead. Mike, let me challenge you, though. So sure. I was uh, reading a recent article you put out and you mentioned that there's close to 20,000 crypto assets. Now, if you want to call them assets, that's on you. I know we have a lot of investors in our audience that talk about assets being actual businesses that own property, that create goods. And you're here telling us that these are crypto assets as well as 20,000 of them. I mean, there's what, 3,500 stocks on the stock exchange. I mean, there's definitely going to be a lot of this that doesn't make it through this period that you're talking about. So how are we actually picking these top token or coin ideas? Right. So that's a good question. What I want to find is what is going, what are the chains or the tokens that are going to help either businesses or users have some sort of a value mechanism from the usage of that token? So, you know, Ethereum is a very obvious one that I think people who are into the blockchain space recognize as this is something that provides a utility because it allows for, uh, you know, the transaction of certain goods and services on the chain. So that's basically what I'm trying to find. And when I say that the 
you know, that it has to have utility. One of the recent articles that I posted in the service kind of takes a look at certain NFT opportunities, but not saying this is, you know, you need to buy these NFTs because a lot of people aren't going to have interest in NFTs. And if you want to get into what an NFT is, we can, you know, debate that as well. But the, the comparison or the analog that I draw for that is like Magic the Gathering or Pokemon tokens. It's kind of like this game asset that in the real world, there is, an, a, there is a serious analog for a game having an asset that's used in a game that then has become kind of like a financial uh, you know, escape from gamers who don't want to use those assets anymore because maybe they're tired of the game or they're tired of the community or whatever. There's a real physical analog for some of these things that I don't think certain people want to give you know, crypto assets credit for. And, and those types of opportunities, I think, are worth exploring. Does that kind of answer the question? Yeah, you're talking about utilities, though. And, and, and I did want to bring up, um, you know, we just got news this week that BNP uh, Paribas is going to use JP Morgan's blockchain network for fixed income trading. That was from the Financial, Financial Times. Um, and you're saying that you're now convinced that blockchain technology will change the way business and industries operate, which this JP Morgan blockchain is a perfect example of that. But how, as an investor, are you going to help us kind of invest in these technologies? How do you know where they are? How do you know they're going to make yield or, or is it capital appreciation? What's the what's the logic here? Right. So they, they completely vary by by asset. So. For example, Cosmos is an ecosystem that's serving really more as like a, you know, an interoperation chain, right? And so the, the Cosmos token is Atom. That is not a buy and hold asset. It's actually terrible to be a buy and hold asset because there is no uh, supply max and they will actually, they've structured that blockchain so that if you don't use it for some utility on chain, you're going to have your, you're going to get inflated at, away basically your position gets inflated away so that's what's called you know staking uh is a decentralized finance usage for that sort of token i'm a little bit less excited about DeFi. i i know that DeFi was very big about a year ago um i'm i look at those things and i have some of those things in the portfolio but for the most part i like a more buy and hold approach so i like you know a token that has utility and a cap right so the most obvious example of that is bitcoin does bitcoin have a supply cap yes it does is it used for something yes it is and though, though there are some who will say that it has no use that's not true there are people who are using it to make borderless permissionless payments um, so those kinds of things are more interesting to me but again, there are assets that you can use to stake and, and, and generate what's essentially a yield. Yeah, and we'll get to Bitcoin in a second. But since you mentioned DeFi, I've got to ask you, what, what's your take on what happened with Luna? Right, because I think <laughs> that's what's shocking the market right now, yeah. right? The Luna, the, the backing of the peg of, of Luna broke and you saw people see their, their funds get 99% wiped out and then people started pouring in and then it went down another 99%. So where's the safety in that? I think that the the if something looks too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. And you know, a twenty percent yield uh, is not a risk-free yield. <laughs> and uh, Luna Terra is not a uh, is not something that I was personally invested in. 
Um, what little research I did on it, I did not like it. Uh, I think that those kinds of things hurt the crypto space overall. Um, and it's a shame that there are people in the space who, for lack of a better word, pump those types of things. Um, but but I, my view is I know that Do Kwan, who's the founder of that uh, of that chain, is putting together proposals to get a second version of it out, and there are going to be exchanges that are going to hold that. I kind of take the view that if you fool me once, you know, <laughs> fool me twice, you know the adage. Uh, I would probably not look at that one, but to each of their own. Yeah, and actually it's funny enough because I was also reading uh, Lynn Alden just put out a recent piece about crypto and what's happening with Luna and how it's affecting Bitcoin. And uh, she was saying that there might be more pain ahead. Now to go back into Bitcoin though, one of you say one of the biggest arguments against Bitcoin that I still grapple with to this day is the level of blockchains that can be created. Yeah. Can you expand on that? Yeah, so there's nothing stopping another founder or group or person from creating a competing payments blockchain. Um, and we've seen them. We've seen forks of Bitcoin. We've seen, there are, I think, at least five or six different uh, cryptocurrencies that have Bitcoin in the name, Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin Gold, other ones. Uh, there are a ton of them. A lot of them are forks from Bitcoin, the original Bitcoin. And there's nothing stopping more of those from happening. I think what people have to try to grasp, if they can, is that not every Bitcoin or blockchain is <laughs> it's created the same uh, because of a network effect. Um, you know, we could create a hundred thousand different, you know, fiat currencies or or just paper monies. You know, shroot bucks from the office. Shroot bucks can just be created out of thin air, but it doesn't mean that it has value. It has its own value because no one actually wants to use it, right? If Bitcoin, which isn't that dissimilar <laughs> from a shroot buck, if it has value because there's a network of people who are using it that give it that value, then it has value in my eyes. And, and that's, I think, what I meant by that. Um, there's nothing like Litecoin. Litecoin is another example of a Bitcoin fork. There's no end to the amount of these things that can be created. The question is, will there be one or several that gain this network adoption with some sort of a use case underneath it. And so return though for investors, right? We're talking about utility and I think the technology is great, but I think a lot of our audience, as we're looking for stocks to buy that pay dividends or Bitcoin to produce yield, is that what you're focusing on in the service is more how to get yield from these blockchain technologies with the adoption or what, where are people trying to get the return through utilizing your service? I think if you're a buy and hold type of person that expects capital appreciation, the service will be a good fit. There will be uh, ideas that I throw out there that are going to require some effort, some uh, you know usability and being able to navigate your way through a wallet or through a DEX or something like that. Um, and if you're good at those kinds of things. I think this is going to be a service that you should consider too. But for the most part, I believe that a buy and hold investor who has a very long time horizon is going to probably find themselves to, to see assets in, in my portfolio that make a little bit more sense.
Gotcha. And I, I want to get your take on this um, because some people don't like to touch crypto, but there are ETF options out on the market right now that are dealing mm-hmm. within crypto, right? So for instance, Grayscale, Bitcoin Trust, Ethereum Trust. Um, and you're pointing out too that, I mean, these are 30% roughly under their NAV. Why go into crypto instead of just, I mean, that seems like a pretty big ARB. Why not, you know, go to the Bitcoin Trust instead? I think that what people are waiting for is some sort of clarity from the SEC on how these things are going to be regulated. Um, and I know that you know certain apps and certain custodians haven't even allowed you to buy the Grayscale uh, product. So that, that makes it a challenge there. If I think we get regulation clarity, if we have jurisdiction uh, basically assigned, because <laughs> right now we don't even know where the jurisdiction lies with a lot of these things, if you get regulation clarity, I think you're going to see that that NAV discount really start to, to go away. Um, so if you're a long-term viewer, then there's an opportunity there, of course. Um, I think that what that arbitrage shows, too, is that there is a huge problem, I think, fundamentally with buying a derivative of something when you can just very easily get that underlying entity or asset yourself, right? It's very easy to just use something like Coinbase to buy Bitcoin, take it off the exchange and hold it in a custodial wallet. And then you don't have to worry about a discount or a premium, you just have it. Now the price can still go up or down and you're taking risk no matter which way you play it. Uh, But Bitcoin fundamentally is trying to address third party risk. And when you add in derivatives of Bitcoin, you're putting third party risk into it. Yeah. All right, Mike. Well, before we let you go here, I got to ask you, we got to give a little taste. What is a top token idea you're looking on? Just give us a little bit of something. <laughs> All right. So most of the tokens that I uh, that I put out there are not going to be top 50, as I, I kind of explained earlier. Uh, I'll give you one. I'll give you one and, and, uh, and, and we'll see you know, if that helps make people think that there's a different idea to this. The one that I dropped today uh, was actually Algorand. So Algorand is a blockchain that was founded by a award-winning MIT, 40-year MIT faculty member who uh, is an expert in cryptography. He was a co-founder or co-inventor of Zero Knowledge Proofs. The guy is very, uh, he's an expert when it comes to computer science. He started this blockchain. They recently announced a deal with FIFA, uh, which is the, the global uh, soccer or football uh, you know, association. Uh, to not only do a marketing campaign, but to do, I think more importantly, help them with their digital strategy. So what that's going to allow FIFA to do is have a blockchain partner where they can build out some of these digital collectible things like we've seen with the Major League Baseball, NBA with NBA Top Shots. Um, I think that's an opportunity. I think that digital collectibles uh, are something that are interesting as a, uh, a possible use for this kind of technology. It's a very low hanging fruit use. I'll put it that way. Um, so Algorand is one that I like. It's, uh, it's one that you'll find in the service that I dropped today. Awesome. Hey, actually, one more question for you. Sure. For this weekend, you seem to be a movie guy from what I can tell. I mean, <laughs> you, did, you did quote Men in Black in one of your articles. So I got to ask you, this weekend, are you going to be watching uh, Top Gun Maverick or are you going to be watching Top Gun? You know what? Uh, so my daughter, who's four years old, pretty much decides what we watch. So we'll probably be watching uh, Chip and Dale for the ninth time. <laughs> ah, okay. 
You know, <laughs> Top Gun Maverick, though, it's Memorial Day. Weekend. I may you check it out. It. I may all right, check all right. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and leave it there, Mike. We have so much more to discuss with you, but we're out of time today. So let's leave it here, and we'll have you back here in a few weeks to go over more of Crypto Land, what's going on in your blockchain reaction service, and you have a great weekend, all right? You too. Appreciate it. All right, everyone. We'll be right back with Leslie Osmond in 15 seconds. Seeking Alpha's Memorial Day Sale. Build a winning portfolio with 50% off Seeking Alpha's premium membership. Click now or go to SeekingAlpha.com. Seeking Alpha. Be a better investor. Welcome back to the Weekend Bite. Up next, we have Seeking Alpha's Head of Quantitative Strategies, Steve Crest, the brains behind the system. Welcome back, Steve. It's great to have you join us again. Leslie, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'd like to kick things off by having you tell us about the quant ratings and factor grade system of Seeking Alpha, kind of about how it works and how it all came about. Well, I appreciate it. Um, our quant system is really designed to help investors and help them quickly. Uh, we're looking to instantly characterize a stock for our investors by showing is it a buy, hold, or sell. And we try to do this instantaneously by providing factor grades. Factor grades use a very common academic system where we use A plus through F, obviously A plus being the strongest and F being the weakest. And we provide a directional recommendation as a result of those grades. So we lay out of a stock is a buy, hold, or sell. It's very transparent because it also immediately rates and grades the core underlying investment metrics. Quant looks at the same fundamental factors as a professional investment analyst. We're looking at value, we're looking at growth, we're looking at profitability, earnings, price action. But what the quant system really does is it empowers computers to sort through financial data for thousands and thousands of companies. So it gives us the ability to instantly identify what that perfect recommendation might be. Uh, a perfect recommendation can be a top stock. Uh, a top stock for us is usually a top quant stock. And this can actually easily be found on the main nav bar on Seeking Alpha's platform. Uh, you just simply go to the area where it says top stocks and it will show you uh, top stocks by quant. You can click on it and you can see our recommendations listed from best to worst. Uh, there's actually a number there. It shows one, two, three, and it goes down in descending order. Uh, additionally, you could actually look at stocks by sector or uh, theme in the same style by looking at the quant rankings. So you publish weekly articles that contain some really interesting stock picks, many of which are, are stocks that I haven't heard of or some investors may not even have heard of. What's the rationale behind your stock picks? And how do you walk us through the process in terms of your quant ratings and factor grades? So um, our system really um, identifies companies on the best metrics relative to other metrics within the same sector. We're not um, identifying, say, a particular style, uh, as you'll find with many you know, mutual fund investors or active managers, they'll either go by a style of growth or profitability or small cap. Uh, what we're looking to is identify a company on its true metrics and how it compares. So we rank it within an industry and we provide an overall score. When we're looking for a directional recommendation, we want stocks that have a combination of uh, great characteristics for growth, 
per value, per profitability, best earnings, and we combine it together to give it an overall score. And that's how we identify what the number one stocks are. So we're not married to a specific style. We're going based on the metrics that rank best. So with the markets being extremely volatile lately, um, amid inflationary concerns, Fed news, and just overall uncertainty, what are your thoughts on the markets and, and how do you think the Fed plans to respond? Yeah, that's like the, the $64,000 question. <laughs> um, well, inflation is running hot and there's a great deal of speculation that the Fed waited too long to raise rates. Uh, after pumping stimulus into the economy from the start of the pandemic, through really almost the first quarter of 2022, uh, it would appear that everything that the Fed has done since that point, post the uh, crisis, is with the intention of eradicating growth and suffocating both the economy and the markets. The tighter monetary, the tighter monetary policy is already having an impact on the economy. The fixed income markets, the equity markets, especially growth stocks, are down significantly year to date. Uh, the economy is beginning to slow as well, uh, which we saw with the first quarter contraction in GDP, as well as this week there was a dramatic drop in new home sales, almost by 17% for the month of April. Uh, many companies, as they've come out with earnings, they're already complaining about margins, uh, especially retailers are being hit really hard. Uh, and we're at a point now where the Fed still wants to raise rates by another 100 to 200 basis points this year. The next Fed meeting is on uh, June 15th, and uh, people are anticipating that it's going to be a 50 basis point increase. And the Fed during the last meeting said uh, over their, their foreseeable meetings in the next five months, we should expect about 50 basis points uh, at each meeting. And what makes that unnerving is as we're seeing from retailers that their margins are being impacted. And we just saw what happened with uh, new home sales in April already being hit. And seriously, like if you go down to, you know, the gas pump, people are crying. If you go to the supermarket, people can't believe how much food prices have gone up. People have already started to pull back. So it's really a question of how many hikes will we have? And there's a lot of uncertainty out there. Uh, I do want to say, however, on the back of all this information, I think it's really important to highlight that our quantitative system was picking the right stocks for the economic cycle that we're in now more than a year ago. Um, if you went back to our quant model a year ago, it was really focusing on a lot of energy stocks and financial stocks, uh, and they performed great over the course of last year, especially material stocks as well. Uh, last year, the model was a 49% compared to the S&P 500, up only 28%. Uh, this year, our strong buys, they're down, but they're down only 6% year to date, compared to the S&P 500, which is down 16%, and the NASDAQ is down 28%. So our system has really done a great job on identifying stocks that have had strong growth, strong earnings, are excellent values, and a very difficult environment. And really, um, as growth has come off the markets, our model does stress value. So it's really uh, identifying the right stocks for the right period. And you've published a really timely article today. Um, it's titled Top Stocks for Fed Rate Hikes. Tell us about each of the stocks that you picked for this. Chevron, Chubb, and the Mosaic Company. Different sectors, different industries. Why those particular stocks? Yeah, it really falls within like you know, the economic regime that we're in. 
Uh, some sectors and industries benefit from rising interest rates and an inflationary environment. This would include certain financial stocks, energy stocks, and many commodity-oriented stocks. Uh, some financial stocks benefit from rising rates because of net interest income, increasing margins, and lending at higher rates. Insurance companies benefit from higher yield investments that bode well for their overall margins and premium baskets. They can also easily pass along their costs to the end customer. Energy companies, as you know, they can pass along costs at the pump and also to their end users, whether it's a manufacturer or just you know an individual in their house, they can easily pass along those costs by increasing rates. And commodity end users are very accustomed to paying whatever the producer charges. Um, based on what's happening in this economic regime, I like stocks like Chevron, uh, the Mosaic Company, which is a commodity company, and Chubb Insurance. Uh, Chevron right now is a strong buy. Chevron has had a great dividend track record and a strong 3.3% uh, forward yield. Uh, one of the biggest names in oil and gas, Chevron has a consistent track record of supplementing the income that's being eaten away by this inflationary environment. The factor grades look great for this company. The grades for growth, profitability, and momentum, and revisions are all very attractive when you look at our uh, factor card for Chevron. Uh, and if you take a deeper dive into what professional analysts are saying, 24 analysts have revised their revisions up in the last 90 days, and zero analysts have revised their estimates down for Chevron. So uh, I think in terms of professional analysts, they're speaking very highly of this company right now by just taking up their estimates. Uh, looking at the profitability page for Chevron, you can see across the board that it has great grades. Uh, many of the margin metrics that we look at, they have A plus grades. And what really stands out on the profitability page for Chevron is their cash. They have a whopping $33 billion in cash. Uh, so those are some of the reasons why I like Chevron. Uh, the Mosaic Company is a strong buy as well. Uh, this is a commodity company that produces and markets concentrated phosphate and potash crop nutrients. These are essential for fertilizers. Fertilizer companies are shattering records. Uh, they can't keep up with the demand. And the Mosaic Company is a top fertilizer company. So it's really a stock that you want to watch. Uh, this is a great pick for Fed rate hikes because it virtually is inflation proof encompassing food staples, necessities. Um, and again, this is a company that can easily pass along their cost to the end customer. It has great factor grades with A grades for growth, profitability, and momentum. And these are essential grades to have A's for. So it really stands out. And my third pick is Chubb. Chubb is a strong buy. Chubb provides insurance and reinsurance products worldwide. As a result of inflation, better pricing, and industry conditions that are acting as a tailwind, Chubb experienced a great first quarter result. Uh, they've shown increasing cash flows, and they've also generated an excellent dividend as well. It's a global leader in the industry, and it's poised to outperform as indicated by our factor grades. For growth, it gets a B plus. Profitability and momentum are A pluses, and the earnings revision grade for Chubb is a B. Uh, in fact, I mentioned the dividend before, it has an A-plus dividend safety grade. This is as strong as and high as you can get for a dividend safety. Seeking Alpha's 
uh, quantitative grades provide an instant characterization of each stock's dividend strength or weakness compared to similar stocks in the sector. And Chubb has one of the safest dividends in the industry. Uh, and that wraps it up about on these three stocks that I like right now for this particular environment that we're in. Those are some great names, Steve. Thank you so much for the great insights. We look forward to having you back. If you haven't read Steve's article, Top Stocks for Fed Rate Hikes, check it out on SeekingAlpha.com, as well as news for the latest and greatest stock picks. Daniel, back to you. All right, thank you, Leslie. Now over to Seeking Alpha's managing editor, Kim Kahn, for this week's Catalyst Watch. Thanks, Daniel. We've got a holiday shortened week next week, which um, always tends to be interesting as people trying to squeeze in their trading in four days. Um, on the economic calendar, um, one big thing stands out. It's the um, payrolls report coming out for May. And um, we've kind of hit an interesting time with economic data now um, and the stock market. Basically, the recent data hasn't been so good, but then that's kind of helped sentiment a little bit because people are thinking maybe that gives the Fed uh, an excuse to maybe move from 50 to 25 basis points. So if there's, you know, they're looking at 350K at the moment, if it comes in significantly below that, that may uh, also, you know, give some stocks some room to run by giving the Fed some breathing space. And then um, on the earnings front, we've got GameStop, a, a favorite of the retail investing crowd. And um, it's it's been very active lately. And um, Ortex, an analytics firm, just came out today. And uh, they've, they've said that they've seen short interest that's um, as high as it's been in a year. And um, the cost to borrow for shares for those trying to short the stock is the highest it's been since February 2021. So it looks like, you know, there's a building that short position again going into earnings. And all the other retailers have been, well, most of them have been slammed. So maybe shorts are hoping that'll happen. We'll see if the Wall Street bets crowd can fight that. Yeah, it's actually funny you bring that up. I was on Twitter the other day and I saw somebody say that uh, the bear market won't be back, won't be over until GameStop is back down in single digits. Um, and I was trying to look up here. You mentioned the short interest. The days to cover on the short interest is three days right now. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, clearly, like, I mean, if it's, you know, it would have to go down now from 100 down to the, you know, the single digits. So that's a long way for the stock to go and, and tumble. Clearly, there's a lot of, of um, you know, short interest of, of people thinking that that, you know, hey, this is a, not a great retail story. Overall, the fundamentals work out and the stock will fall back down to earth. But, you know, it just depends on how much clout Wall Street bets, you know, and the crowd that followed Roaring Kitty still has probably still a lot. They, so a lot of them made a lot of money on that stock and they can go out and try and get a gamma squeeze doing these long, you know, out of the money calls. Yeah, the question though is if they they also put it into uh, crypto and lost it all there recently, right? So yeah, so that's something to watch for sure. Yeah. All right, Kim, we'll have a great Memorial Day weekend and we'll see you again here next week, okay? Thanks, you too. And everyone, that wraps it up for another great episode of The Weekend Bite. We'll see you here again next week. And in the meantime, have a great weekend.